Hey guys, and welcome to The Drop-Off, a daily podcast between father and son about life, sports, and everything in between. Today is Wednesday, and we will be doing, or the day after the What's draft. What's up with the NBA draft? So, last yesterday was the NBA lottery, and so... Can you explain how the lottery works to people who might not be familiar with it? Okay, so the NBA lottery, um, so basically it's a lottery, so... Like, it, the teams in order have the, like, from le- worst record to best record, have, like, a certain chance to win the lottery. So, like, the top three teams have a 14% chance. And the lowest seed has a 0.5 chance, and that's all I could remember. Because, yeah. But, um, should we, um, and then if you win, you jump into the top four of the lottery. And then, basically, that's how you get the chance to win it, basically. Oh, really? They do a second lottery after the lottery? I'm pretty sure, because it's, you jump in, you jump in, and then there's the four teams, and then they do it. Really? And then how do they do the odds for those four teams? Those four teams are completely random, the odds. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I need to look more into That's kind of confusing me. But I think it's cool that the NBA does it. Like in the NFL, um, you know, there's no lottery, which means the team with the worst record gets the number one pick. And however, in the NBA, it's not like that because there's this thing called tanking. Tanking is a problem. Tanking means not trying to win at all in order to get a high draft pick in next year's draft. And that was a big problem. And so uh, a few few years ago, they had lottery reform, which basically before the worst team in the NBA had the best chance to get the uh, number one pick. They had like a 25% chance. And so in order to de-incentivize losing, they made it so that the worst four teams all had the same odds. So, you know, obviously it's better to be one of the worst four teams if you want a high pick but it's not so egregious so you know with lottery reform and with the play-in game i think that has somewhat solved the tanking issue in the nba obviously not completely uh when you have like the okc thunder who have 17 first round picks in the next five drafts which is pretty crazy um but anyways i'm a huge spurs fan and I'm kind of bummed because I had tricked myself into thinking that a 20% chance of moving up into the top four picks was actually a pretty good odds. Uh, but if you think about it, it's way less than 50%. I mean, one in five chance are not good odds. Um, so I shouldn't really be disappointed, but the Spurs ended up with the ninth pick, which is where they should have uh, picked based on the record anyway. All right, so what, what ended up happening in the lottery? Who are the top four picks and did our top four teams? And did we see any teams move up into the top four? So I don't really know the top four teams. I know you said the Kings uh, were in the were the only team that moved up, and the Magic got the first pick. But did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. You were at your basketball practice, so uh, Naomi and I watched it. So number one, as Nathaniel mentioned, is the Orlando Magic. Number two, OKC Thunder. Number three, Houston Rockets. And number four would be the Sacramento Kings, which they were they were rewarded. Remember, they, they kind of made a quote-unquote win-now move to try to get into the play-in game by getting DeMontis Sabonis and trading away uh, Halliburton and Heald. Uh, and it seems like they were rewarded with that with the fourth pick in the NBA draft. And so the it might be a relief for Kings fans, but you also have to realize like Kings fans draft rec- the Kings draft record is like terrible in the past 20 years. And so you're not even that, I think, um, excited about having a high draft pick because you don't necessarily trust the people who are making the draft picks.
the um, mocked pick at them would probably be Boncaro right now, right? Boncaro to four? I thought Boncaro was in kind of the consensus top three. It's Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and then uh, Boncaro. Four and five, that's, I, I think, around the area of, like, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, uh, guys like that. So they would probably be targeting Keegan Murray then? Or Shadon Sharp. The issue with Shadon Sharp is, though, he hasn't played the entire year, right? So he's a guy who's one of the – I think he was the number one guy in his high school class. He went to Kentucky, but he didn't play the entire year. And uh, – or he went – he uh, reclassified, right? So he went to college a year early. So I think he was able to practice with the team, but he didn't play in any actual games. Um, but talent-wise, I think he's supposed <laughs> to be one of the top guys. And so he's, he's uh, like, looking to be in the top six picks. Who do you think the Magic should draft at number one? I think that they should draft Jabari Smith, but I heard rumors that he fell out of the top three during, like, the Combine or something. I don't think the Combine has even happened yet, so I don't don't know how he fell out already if the Combine hasn't already happened. Um, But, yeah, I think Jalen Smith would be a good fit for them, but they're probably going to pick Chet Holmgren because, like, they need, like, a... They don't need, like, an interior big man, but he's, like, he's, like, I feel like that's who they're going to pick. Yeah, I would say thinking about the NBA draft, I mean, obviously you want to get the highest pick, like, number one pick, because then you get to pick whatever player you want. But, historically, you know, getting the number one pick is no guarantee of teams. Like, you have your LeBron Jameses, you have your Tim Duncans, where it's like, okay, you get that pick, and your team is set for the next 10 years. And you're... But then you have, well, a lot of times, many times, the best player in the NBA draft is not the first pick, right? And we've seen picks like Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Antetokounmpo later in the lottery. We've even seen guys like Nikola Jokic, right? Draymond Green being far down. Steph Curry was like number seven. Dame Lillard was like 10 or 11, or maybe, I don't know, six. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is the most important thing is not necessarily that you get a high draft pick, but that it's whatever pick that you have you nail it, right? You get a good quality player. And so that's why I'm not too disappointed because the Spurs have a great draft record. Um, and they typically pick in they typically pick in the mid-teens to late first round. And so the fact that they get the ninth pick, I think I'm very excited about what the player that they're going to target with this and develop over time. But even like your guy JT, right? He was third pick, right? And the brilliantly, the Celtics even traded down in order to get him. Probably should have been the first pick. I mean, everybody else was set on their guy. Markel Fultz, total bust. Um, Lonzo Ball, they traded him away for Anthony Davis. So I don't know if that's good. Basically the second pick for Anthony Davis. Well, at the time, you probably don't remember this, but Markel Fultz, like, consensus number one. And Tatum was a good prospect, obviously. He was drafted number three, but he had some flaw- a lot of flaws in his game, right? He was not projected to be the three-point shooter that he has become. And so he was just, like, really in love with the mid-range. Strangely, he defensive effort, which it, it's really hard to project defense from college to NBA. I mean, I would say Jason Tatum is one of the best wing defenders now in the NBA, like, obviously one of the best two-way players we have. But that was not something um, that you necessarily saw, like, in his college career. And, you know, it's hard, especially in college basketball. Like, the defense that's played in college, a lot of zone is really different than what the defense that you'll play in the NBA. Uh, Luka Doncic, right? 
should have been consensus number one, somehow dropped to number three. And we know what teams are like kick, kicking themselves right now. They didn't pick him, right? Phoenix, uh, Sacramento. Uh, speaking of Phoenix, what do you think about the whole DeAndre Ayton situation? Should Phoenix give Ayton the max? Um, well, I think they should give Aiden the max. The question is, would they? Because, um, the, isn't there, um, like, um, what's it called? Their front office is very, like, stingy. It's not front office, it's owner. Right owner is very stingy. Yeah, he has not paid the tax since, like, 2008. And, I mean, in fairness, a lot of these smaller market teams, they don't like to pay the tax. Uh, especially if their team isn't championship contender. But the Suns seem like they are championship contenders. And I, I think at this point, Aiton has a lot of the leverage in that uh, you can't just let him walk away for nothing. Um, but this past playoffs kind of exposed him or just exposed, I think, centers in general where it's really hard for uh, the center to stay on the court um, when all these teams are really just like spreading everybody out, right? Obviously, you want your big man as close to the basket as possible. But if you're spreading like five out, then that makes it really hard, uh, really hard for a center to guard in space these days. Um, anyways, uh, back to the NBA draft. What are your thoughts on uh, some of the other prospects who are coming up into the NBA this year? Um, some of the good prospects that I think are coming up, I I think, I don't know, I feel like Jaden Ives is going to be really good in the NBA. I don't know why. I just Russell Westbrook, better, better shooting Russell Westbrook? Yeah, um, I feel like Jaden Ives is going to be really good because he's like a point guard who's also really tall. So he has that like, um, like not Luka type height on everybody, but he has height on most people. Um, or like most smaller guards. So, like, I feel like he's going to be pretty good, and um, not many other people I can think of. Or is Jaden Ivey, like, six foot? I think he's, like, six five. four, six five, six four. I don't know. I don't know his exact measurements, but I think you're right. Um, is he a kind of pure point guard, though, or is he more yeah. like a combo guard? More like a combo guard. I, I mean, I if he could be, like, a better – he's probably not the – kind of uh, crazy athlete Russell Westbrook, prime Russell Westbrook was. Maybe he is. I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with him. I know I, I did remember watching him in the uh, NCAA tournament against the Longhorns. And you never want to take too much out of the tournament, right? Because really it is a small sample size. Um, a lot of times people get like the, the whole tournament boost. They, they had a good NCAA tournament and maybe that wasn't indicative of how well they played throughout the entire year, but obviously, you know, it's bigger light, bigger stage, and people kind of sometimes fall in love with players during the tourney. But what I did saw, what I did see of him, I did like. It seemed like he had kind of that killer instinct type mentality where he just wanted to, like, put the Longhorns away. It seems like he has a really nice, easy shooting stroke. One mock that I looked at that uh, had Benedict Matherin go into the Spurs. What do you think about that? Remember the guy from Arizona who had that monster dunk? In like the Elite Eight? I would really like that. I mean, I think he's like a really good wing, but I don't know how we, he would like fit with like, um, would you, like, never mind, like, what, how would he fit with like, um, all the other guards and like Devin Vassell and stuff? Well, when you're at, when you're at the stage where the Spurs are at right now, which we're still in the rebuilding process, you don't really care about fit. You just want to get talent in the building. And I'm a big believer that talent really will like uh 
you know, iron sharpens iron, right? The more better plays you have, that you're exposed to these guys that are like challenging and pushing one another, the better the team will be for it, right? And so I wouldn't, if I were the Spurs, I would not be. Typically, teams drafting the lottery shouldn't really think about fit too much, because in the future, like let's say you have too many people, like you can always trade away people, right? And so like um, you just want more bites at the apple, and if you can get someone who's like you know, significantly better. For example, I'm thinking like the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? They have Colin Sexton, who's a small guard already. Would you have said, oh, don't guard, don't, you can't pick Darius Garland. You already have a small guard in Sexton. You got to go big man. But it turns out Darius Garland is actually significantly better than Sexton. They're in a better spot. There's a possibility that they can either sign and trade Colin Sexton or bring him back and play him together. But you don't want to let your current roster dictate who you pick, especially for these teams who are picking high in the draft. Say Benedict Matherin is, like, picked ahead of y'all. Who would you like to target or something? Man, that's a great question. I I, I had hoped to jump into the lottery and pick Jabari Smith. I had my heart set on him. So now that we're actually picking nine, I'll have to go back and look, okay, who are some more realistic targets? The thing about the Spurs, though, is we got nine, 20, and 25. Okay, so there's the possibility that we could... I don't know who ahead of nine would be interested in moving down to nine if they were to receive like 20 and 25 also. So that's a possibility, which would be amazing if we can move up. But another possibility is like the Spurs are great at drafting in the back of the lottery. Like a lot of the guys that we got who are contributors, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray, Derek White before this, they were all drafted like 28 or 29. Which I'm thinking, hey, if we got three shots at first round draft picks and get them in the player development cycle with the Spurs, like we have a chance of getting like two or three quality players, which is pretty exciting. Yes. So, um, maybe like a player you would want. Do you did you like um like AJ? Um, was it what's his name? AJ Griffin. And oh no, I mean that guy was a total zero in uh, the Final Four game that we watched versus UNC. I mean, I think people like the fact that he, he's he got a good like NBA body and he was a lights-out shooter, but he just disappeared for like vast stretches of the game. And really inconsistent. Obviously, he's one of the youngest players in the draft, and so maybe that's part of it. Maybe he can grow into it. But uh, to me, those those are some like, you know, warning warning signals that I'm not... I would not be super enthusiastic if he fell to nine or not maybe not even fall to nine i don't even know where he's mocked but um right now i'm not super excited but you know he could turn out to be a quality player i'm not saying that can't happen you know what would have been cool is if caleb love entered the draft this year and he was drafted 25 by the spurs yeah, I'd be happy with him at 25. All right, buddy. Hope you have a great day. We have arrived at Hyde Park Middle School. Have a great and happy Wednesday. Thank you for listening wherever you are. And uh, what's your pick, Warriors or Mavs tonight? Um, whoever's home court, so Warriors. There you have it. All right, well, thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.